Yo, ladies and gents, welcome to another episode of uh, Optimize Your Body podcast. I've got my man Pete Evans on the line here, and to be honest, I'm actually a fan, Pete. I'm not going to lie, man. I'm a bit of a fan girl. So it's always <laughs> great, man. It's always great to get you know someone that you've looked up to and followed for a while on the show. But um, how's everything going with you, man? Mate, fantastic. I had a, the most beautiful surf this morning uh, at sunrise down at the beach up here in the Northern Rivers, and yeah, magic. Just uh, shared some oysters with my wife and a little um, pig riette that we made from our home-killed pigs. So today's a good day, a really good day so far. And um, having a chat with you is, is wonderful. And I just got off a podcast myself um, where I was interviewing a, a naturopath. Um, yeah, so today's a, today's a good day. And tomorrow we have a yoga retreat at our wellness center here. And uh, so we've got seven women coming to spend the weekend with us and um, my wife and her friend take them on a yoga uh, adventure for the weekend and I do the cooking. So um, yeah, looking forward to that. So I picked up some goodies today for the weekend as well. So yeah, ready to go, brother. Yeah, I can see the yoga retreat things going really well on that note, right? And I've heard good things about it, man. And it seems like it's really taken off and you're having a big impact with it, right, Pete? Yeah, we love it. It's so good. We've got, we run yoga retreats once a month. We run wellness retreats once or twice a month as well over the weekends, as well as cooking retreats. And we're just in the process of building a, uh, another studio to do Pilates uh, retreats as well. And a friend of ours runs detox retreats here. And in summer and spring, I also run and with my wife fasting retreats. So it's a beautiful setup. We've got 200 acres in far north New South Wales in the beautiful majestic rainforest that uh, is part of um, it's known as Wollumbin, or other people might know it as Mount Warning. So yeah, it, it's very special. We have seven cabins, so people spend the weekend or longer with us, and uh, got a, a beautiful natural flowing creek. That's where we get our water supply from. So non-contaminated water, uh, beautiful sunshine, immersed in nature with all the birds and the wildlife, and yeah, it's 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 a dream that's turned into a reality. So we're very blessed to be able to not only live here, but also to, to share it with um, whoever wants to come as well. And, and worst case scenario is you get some good food and some wonderful nature time because we don't have Wi-Fi, we don't have phone reception either. So it's a complete digital detox for, for the guests and for ourselves. It's incredible, man. And that's so important to do. You know what I mean? I'll be honest, I haven't actually had the opportunity to do that for a while. And it's something that, you know, I can imagine this is the thing because I haven't really done it. So I've been so immersed in it, you know, uh, full transparency. I can just imagine how soothing it is and, you know, just how freeing it is for your mind, you know, mentally and emotionally and just going back to how we evolved, right? And how we should be, you know, we should be as one with nature. We should be out there. We should be connecting with each other, right? And I feel like, you know, at the moment we're kind of, it's great because we've got all these, you know, all this technology, but you know, on a on a, I feel like on a human level, we're probably more kind of disconnected than ever, right? But we'll delve deeper into that anyway. Before I go off on a tangent, Pete, um, obviously you're where you're at now, and you know you're living your best life. You're helping lots of people. You're loving what you do with the retreats and everything. Um, but it hasn't been a smooth road, has it, Pete? So talk, <laughs> let's, let's track back to um, you know because it's really kind of admirable your journey. You know, in terms of like how much you've evolved yourself and how much you've grown as a person, but also just what you've achieved. And like, like I said, how many people you've impacted along the way, right? So how did it all start for you, Pete? You know, for example, to start with in terms of the paleo things, I know that was kind of like the start of your, you know, I know you were a chef and stuff like that, but if you can just tell us how it all started for you and how you ended up kind of venturing into kind of more of the paleo lifestyle, if you like. Yeah, for sure. And I, I, I think everybody has a as a bumpy road in this in this uh, adventure we call life. <laughs> I don't think anyone gets a, a free pass, so to speak, where it's smooth sailing from birth to death. Uh, that would be pretty boring, actually, pretty uneventful. <laughs> and it wouldn't present us with the opportunities or challenges to grow because that's generally what happens. We feel some pressure or discomfort and we look for ways to, you know, turn that discomfort or pressure into something else you know something that strengthens us something that gives us more understanding of why we may have attracted that in the first place what was the message in that trauma or that experience that caused us to feel the grief the suffering the pain 
the discomfort. What is that about? You know, and, and that's what I believe is, is fundamental to our life. You know, it's not that we need to always be having traumatic experiences. And I feel that um, part of our journey as well is to express ourselves creatively. You know, we all have these special gifts. We all have these things that we want to share with others and get out of us, so to speak, our, our dreams or our um, ideas and concepts and turn them into a reality. I mean, that's, that's our special gift as human beings is being able to do that. Have a thought, have an idea, have a concept, and then work out a way to turn that into something tangible that we can manifest, that we can, that we can go, created that the thought created that you know it could be it doesn't need to be profound it just needs to be our our innate expression of ourselves you know our our, our intuition turning itself into action and then creation so i went off on a little tangent there but um to go back to to answer your question uh it's been a lifelong journey for me you know from the bumpiness of witnessing my parents have a quite a messy um, aggressive divorce from the age of three to watching that, the witnessing and, and being a part of a family um, disintegration or splintering of the family unit to uh, growing up in an environment where that happened a couple of times. You know, my mother married twice more and divorced twice more, same with my father. So witnessing that as a child gave me uh, a lot to contemplate when I started having relationships myself. And when children get to witness that and experience that, you know, it, 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 it can create an opportunity again through that discomfort, through that pain, through that, um, that, that suffering and the unknowing, the confusion, the frustration, the, what the fuck is this, to find the tools either then or later in life to help understand, process, move through and transform some of those harsh realities that we faced as children. So that's been pretty much my, my journey up until now and will continue in some way, shape or form. And in saying that, you know, all of this has led me down certain paths to evolve and adapt and grow and release and understand more about myself. And, and what am I here to do? What am I here to feel? Who am I as Pete Evans? You know, why was I born into that family? Why did I go through these challenges and discomforts as a child? So one thing has led to another. Uh, we talk about the paleo diet and I can, what I mentioned before is we're, where we're at now, I'm 49 years of age, basically, in a month's time and creating this wellness retreat. I can look back through the history of my journey to see exactly how the jigsaw puzzle or has come to be this at this particular point in time, or I can join the dots of how it's been this fantastical journey of making that decision to become a chef over 30 years ago. Uh, 33 years ago, I decided to become a chef. And just that one decision and then committing to that has led me to uh, opening restaurants exploring relationships with uh, so many different opportunities, whether it be business, uh, personal, or uh, sexual in nature, or whatever it may be. It, it's taken me on this wonderful journey of discovery. You know, when I started to be a chef, you know, when I was 17 or 16 years of age, when I had that, that decision, I never knew it would lead me here, but I knew there was something in that decision that felt right at the time that, okay, I'm going to learn a life skill here, a very important life skill, which is learning how to cook and feed myself. You know, it just made sense because we weren't taught those things at school. And through no fault of my parents, they didn't really educate me with that life skill either. So when I was looking at all the different, uh, I guess, vocations and career choices, I really wanted to hone in on something that could benefit me long-term. And provide me a life skill that I didn't have. And cooking just made the most sense to me at that young age. And by, by making that decision, it has led to understanding nutrition, 
because it was part of my journey as being a chef. How can I feed my guests the most nutrient dense food? How can I feed myself the most nutrient dense food? It led me to overcome many, many fears that I had, which was being shy as a kid. Um, just that choice of becoming a chef and committing to it and then committing to becoming the best chef that I could put me in a position where I was invited to audition for a TV show and uh, on cooking. And I couldn't think of anything more, more frightening or scary for me as a, as a mid 20 year old than to put myself in front of the camera. You know, I was so shy and so petrified of having a voice and being seen publicly that when that opportunity came along, I was like, okay, well, this is not, wasn't part of my plan, but what a great opportunity to overcome a huge fear of mine. So that's why I went on that adventure and you know, 20 years or 11 years after making that decision, I was hosting the number one TV show in Australia for 10 or 11 years. It wasn't always number one through those 11 years, but for many of those 11 years, it was the number one watch program in Australia. And looking back at it, I was like, ah, oh, that makes sense. You know, that made sense. Being scared of being seen to actually confronting that fear and working through those layers of why don't, don't I want to be seen? What's holding me back from expressing myself? Why have I got a problem with sharing my voice? And, you know, it, now when I look back at it, because I'm, I'm not in that field anymore, but for two decades, I worked in the mainstream media and, and in, that, in that modality where you do get to share yourself and I've witnessed a lot of people in that modality or in that industry as well that still don't share their authentic self, you know, which is an interesting thing to witness as well. They play a character, they play a role, still not being able to express who they are. And, and luckily enough, I got to share that through going against the grain, so to speak. And, and by overcoming those initial fears, it gave me the the strength and courage and, and determination to be able to go, okay, well, what's the point of being famous if you're still not going to be your authentic self? It's no coincidence that for some reason I'm in a position where I can reach a lot of people. What am I going to do with that? You know, what can I do with that? And then joining the jigsaw puzzle or joining the dots, I read a book uh, that was uh, called Primal Body, Primal Mind by a wonderful woman called Nora Gagoudis. And my wife had read it and she said, you might like to read this. And I read it and it just made sense. I was like, of course, this is what I'm meant to be doing with my so-called celebrity status or, or, or notoriety public profile. And I started to share that information and copped a lot of backlash talking about the bumpy road, so to speak. I was like, oh, this is interesting. I'm promoting organic fruits and vegetables, wild-caught seafood, holistically farmed animals, and I'm copying grief from the mainstream media and the medical association for, for this stance or for this communication of this information. What, what is this about? So then with that question mark, why am I being attacked so ferociously for promoting what I would deem a very, very healthy way of life? Yet the same people that are attacking me are taking money from advertising dollars from multinational food corporations that promote junk food that we know is toxic for us, that can cause us ill health. Yet they're attacking the, ex the opposite of this. So that created an opportunity for me to really dig deep into that, that area where I was being attacked. I was like, okay, well, if I'm being attacked for this. I've got two options. I can shut up and just be that personality on television that doesn't have a voice that will just play along with the current narrative you know, as, we've, as we've seen over the last couple of years from from um, the COVID narrative to the Ukraine narrative to the climate change narrative to the fucking whatever the narrative is that's currently going on that everybody has an opinion on so that got me to questioning what is it about this nutritional advice that I'm putting out there that is causing such a backlash? So I decided to make a documentary about it called The Magic Pill. 
and a TV series about it called The Paleo Way. And my simple intention with that was, let me interview people, experts in their field on health and nutrition, doctors, researchers, scientists, professors, um, naturopaths, and the people that have healed themselves through these dietary principles. And let's turn that into the movie and let's release that. And by going on that journey, we got to realize exactly why we were getting all this uh, shade thrown on us, <laughs> the bumpy media ride, because there are a lot of vested interests that would not like to see what I was promoting and others were promoting to become mainstream. Because once the, if this ever became mainstream for the population, basically it would threaten so many things. It would threaten the medical industry, the pharmaceutical industry, the agricultural industry, the political system, the mainstream media system, and the list goes on and on and on, you know? And, and I remember early on when I had um, a beautiful man called Mike Willisey, who was one of Australia's most um, profound investigative journalists, who was very well respected. He did a story on me uh, where he adopted this lifestyle for 10 weeks. And I'll never forget the first time I sat down, I said, hey, Mike, I know you think you're doing a story on food here and health. I said, it's got, it has to do with that, but it's really just scratching the surface. I said, what this exposes, if you really want to dig deep, is how pretty much everything that is built that we rely upon, or so-called rely upon these systems, how all of that is corrupt, how the science is faulty or fake or blatant lies, and that basically our whole world could change if everyone adopted this way of life. I said, that's what this is. This is a ticking time bomb. I said, it's not really just about our personal health. It's not really just about a diet. I said, this shakes the foundation of pretty much everything. <laughs> and, uh, and it was interesting. He told me when the story went out, he said, in all of his years, 50 years of being a journalist, he said he has never had so much backlash, not from the public, but from certain sectors in everything that he had covered in his career. He said, this story about you and what you're promoting is the most controversial and, um, yeah, the, 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 I don't even know how to put it into words, but he just said, yeah, what you were saying is basically right. You know, there is a reason that this information and why it is being suppressed and why anyone that promotes it gets vilified in the media. So um, because the results speak for themselves, you know, and if we have a healthy society that has great mental clarity and function and isn't buying multinational food, <laughs> shit, or junk, if they're not supporting the pharmaceutical and medical industry, because as we know what we would discovered, 80% of chronic illness at a minimum. So eight out of 10 people that visit the doctor who go into hospital, that could be eradicated, that could disappear because it's based off our dietary and lifestyle choices. So imagine what would happen to the pharmaceutical and medical industry if they lost eight out of their 10 customers. And we're talking within six months to a year of adopting these principles, gone. The whole system would collapse or they would have to adapt, which would then have a flow on effect to the mainstream media because they promote and advertise through those channels. 100%. They also lobby the government. So could you imagine what would happen if the political landscape couldn't accept dollars from these institutions anymore? Could you imagine the last two years of mandated pharmaceuticals and medical intervention on the population? Imagine if they had no backing or no money there or no interest, you know? Imagine that industry if it wasn't what it was today. You know, we would be living through very, very, very different times, mm. very different times, because they wouldn't have so much power and control. And what we're witnessing at the moment, I mean, I don't want to delve too deep into the COVID thing, but, you know, um, 
the chair of the EU, you know, just yesterday, they can't find the texts that were sent between her and the head of Pfizer, you know, deleted, gone, you know, and, and a lot of that information between the governments and the pharmaceutical companies is um, they've got contracts out for what's been going on for the last couple of years. So, yeah, so the bumpy ride has revealed a lot, but at the same time, what it has done is delivered so much growth for me, personal growth, so many opportunities and so much, um, so much connection to so many wonderful people around the world. Mm. And just to give you, a, for anybody that is not aware, apart from being on the number one TV show as a, as a judge on a reality TV cooking show, uh, subsequently, I was doing TV shows in the United States as well about cooking and releasing cookbooks globally. And in Australia, they became the number one best-selling books for, I think it was three or four or five years. And we were, I was the number one selling non-fiction author in this country. Which books just for the, uh, the audience, like just the main kind of name of those books, how they would find them? Uh, you, you, they're very hard to find these days. They were basically um, uh, burnt. Yeah. <laughs> burnt. They, they did a, a modern day book burning. Okay. Uh, the media made up a story that I was a neo-Nazi. I mean, it's the lowest hanging fruit. And if you, if you witness the, um, the, the last ditched effort for any character assassination generally is you're a racist, a white supremacist or a neo-Nazi. Uh, I've been painted with that brush by the media. Um, which led to uh, my business relationships um, disintegrating within the space of 24 hours because they felt threatened to be associated with me. And, and just for the record, I am not neither a neo-Nazi, a white supremacist, or a racist in any way, shape, or form. Hmm. But on that point, Pete, as well, with the paleo, sorry to interrupt, with the paleo outlook right and just basically coming out and talking about real food right that's what you were doing mm -hmm. talking about whole foods which nourish the body okay just to give from, a all, from all different cultures from all different i wanted cultures. to add that you know we yeah, yeah, celebrate yeah. every every single culture in the world exactly yeah so they were coming at you big time right for coming out and just talking about what you believe in what nourishes the body what nourishes the soul the right kind of foods how you can make yeah, obviously the recipe books and everything else right which is like really really valuable how did you kind of develop like the, the courage and the resilience to, you know, initially you said you were a shy boy as well, right? Pete, you said you were shy when you were younger, you got exposed, you know, from a young age on biggest TV show, you said mid twenties, right? And then before you know it, obviously you're getting all the pushback from speaking your mind, you know, talking about what you believe in with the paleo lifestyle and everything else. How did you actually develop? Cause you know, it's, you're in the minority of people and even now, right? Obviously we'll talk a bit more about that where you're at now and being canceled and everything else. How did you develop that resilience, Pete, and that courage to just keep going and go, no, do you know what? I'm sticking to my guns. As you said, I don't just want to be another name who's going to not speak my mind, who's not going to be authentic and, you know, live like, you know, basically be a real person. <laughs> How did you keep going? How did you find that courage? Like, I'm sure there was times, Pete, where you thought this is getting a bit on a serious note, though. Some of the stress and, and anxiety you must have felt as a young, you know, even in your 30s as well. It must have been times where you thought, should I just throw in the towel? Or was there never a point when you thought that? There's never been a, a, since I've been speaking out, there's never been a point where I thought, fuck, I said the wrong thing or I regret that. Never, not once, nothing, you know? I, I don't have any regrets in that, that, in anything that I've done in that capacity. And um, I mean, I have had people saying, you know, you should have shut up. <laughs> I'm like, how come? They're like, oh, cause you've, you've copped it. I'm like, what have I copped exactly? They go, well, they write things about you. I said, so what? Who cares if a stranger writes something about you? I mean, that's their job. Their job is to create sensationalism. Their job is to create divide. Their job is to create likes or dislikes or comments on their page so that they fill it up. And that's one of the things that uh, I've noticed is when they do write about me, and they put it on their social media, like a, a news.com Facebook page or a Channel 9 Facebook page, they'll get more comments about something, a story that I'm in than pretty much any other news story for the day. You know, because they know that very polarizing. 
But to answer your question, how did I become brave through this? Again, going back to the start of the conversation, it's about the, the childhood traumas. It's about the relationships that I had formed from that. It's about the relationships I chose as well. Um, the decision to become a chef. You speak to any chef uh, that has gone through an apprenticeship and gone up the ladder. They're tough people. They're tough. One of the hardest ones in the world, man. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a very very tough industry. It's a very tough job. And when I was trained in it, it was fucking tough. You know, it was emotionally, mentally, and physically not only exhausting but very very. Uh, yeah, it, it, it was tough, brother. Yeah, it was tough. Tough for a young man. All woman, probably tougher for the women back in the day, to to go through that. Um, it's nearly like a, a, an army boot camp, uh, or perhaps a um, an internship for a doctor. You know, when they're on the ER or the emergency ward and they're working split shifts and no sleep, and you know, they've got more stress. It's life and death that they're dealing with with their patients. You know, but um, stress is relative. So working in that sort of high pressure system and then uh, becoming a restaurant owner and working, you know, my, my average working hourly week was anywhere from 80 to 100 hours for 20 years of my life. And through that process, you gain certain wisdom, not so much wisdom as in uh, worldly knowledge, but wisdom in how strong you can be how tough you can be, can you push through when it becomes uncomfortable? And I tell you, when you're working 80 to 100 hour weeks, it gets uncomfortable when you're sort of hitting that 60, 70 hour mark. You know, and you know you've got another two 16 hour shifts on top of it to go and you're fucking exhausted. You've had three hours sleep the night before, you know, but you could wake up and you're like, you know, it's like looking at a mountain, you know, fuck, I don't know walk up that again today and then I'm going to walk up it again tomorrow. And throughout that whole journey, it's, it's not an easy, even working for 16 hours a day in any profession, it's not easy, but combine that with the, the, uh, the ability to coordinate a team of, of other people that are tired, other misfits that didn't fit into society as such, and then deliver a quality product to, um, a customer base that demands perfection and, and excellence. And you're really, you're really setting yourself up for some, some mental and emotional and physical challenges. So um, it's like training your body, you know, professional athletes, professional bodybuilders, you know, you learn a lot about yourself in those times of, can you push out another rep? <laughs> you know? can, I, can I do three more of these? Fuck, I, I really want to stop now, but can I push through? I've got to push through. That's, that's what I've signed up for. Mm. So I'm sure your listeners can, can relate to this. So when the attacks started, I just had to see them for what they were, you know? That's their job. They're protecting their interests. And am I strong enough to withstand it? Am I strong enough to deal with what other people think, um, you know, and that's pretty much it. I'm just going to just walk over and press my power cord on you, because you it ahead. says low battery. You go <laughs> so. ahead, man. You go ahead. Oh yeah. <clears throat> whilst, Peter, whilst Peter's doing that anyway, no, I was just going to say, because whilst you were on that talking about what you were saying then in terms of like the, when they started pushing back and you started getting all that and, and you saw it for what it was, but how important was it for you, Pete, right, to take care of yourself throughout that process in terms of your health, you know, looking after yourself, eating good for, uh, you know, doing your surfing or whatever else? How much, because I know the resilience was just obviously grinding as a chef, right? Like that's going to yeah. build resilience up years of doing those kind of hours, plus the stress you were getting from elsewhere then with all the, uh, you know, the media and whatnot. But do you feel like your lifestyle, you know, the way you were eating and living, do you think that was really, really important for you to be able to like think sharp to, you know, be strong throughout the whole process that you've been through? Because obviously that's always good, oh, isn't it? Health. A thousand percent. A thousand percent. When the, um, 
you know, when that started to happen, because I was sort of like the, the boy next door, so to speak, my, my TV personality, uh, likable Aussie chef, boy next door type thing, family yeah. man, the whole thing. You know, I, I, I was painted with, I was, it was so interesting because I was painted as, as this really lovely, respectable, nice guy, which, which I am, right. <laughs> if I yeah, can exactly. say so. But at the same, it was interesting while that was happening, Prior to discovering paleo, I was running a nightclub in King. I owned a nightclub in King's Cross. It was one of the most popular nightclubs in King's Cross for eleven years, and uh, I was ex experimenting with that side of life at that particular point in time. My first ten years on television and and owning a nightclub in King's Cross. And for anybody that is isn't aware, King's Cross is a suburb in Sydney in New South Wales, and it was our red light district. It was renowned for gangsters, prostitutes, strippers, um, drugs, the whole nine yards, so to speak. And we had the most jumping nightclub in there for 10 years. So I got to live that lifestyle. Yet at the same time, the media portrayed me as the boy next door. And it was interesting because once I stepped away from the nightclub scene and, and that part of my journey of my life, and discovered healthy eating and paleo. And, and to be honest with you, I needed to, because I couldn't, I, I would probably not be here if I continued that lifestyle that I used to have. You know, I experimented with every drug. I, I was an alcoholic. I, was, I wasn't doing great things to my body, but I, I'm grateful that I got to experience it because I've lived that and I know what I don't want to have in my life anymore. But at the same time, boy next door, when I shifted and took those things out of my life and embraced health and started to share that, I was no longer the boy next door and the, the, the nice guy to the media. I was like, I was enemy number one. I was like, how the fuck did that happen? Before I was doing drugs and drinking alcohol and being a, you know, a party boy, the media loved me. And now I'm promoting a healthy lifestyle and I'm being attacked. It was such a, a paradox. So it was, it was beautiful to witness and, and to experience as well. But um, the saving grace that I think I had was when the attack started to come, I wasn't drinking alcohol. I wasn't drinking coffee. I wasn't taking any drugs. And I was, I was very, very clean and very grounded. And, and I, I would say living the best version of myself. So any attacks, it's like, I've thought about it. I think, would I have been able to handle that when I was living that other lifestyle? Probably not as well. Probably not as well. Because waking up with a hangover or having a big night the next day, you know, you don't, you don't really want to deal with, with too much. Let's talk, right? Let's talk on that real quick, right? Because this is important for the listeners, again, just to get a bit more relatability. Because a lot of times people look at, you know, people like me or you live a healthy lifestyle and they think we've always been that way. Actually, normally it's quite the opposite, right? We've been so extreme on the other end. We've had to, we'd have to, we've had to rein it in, you know what I mean? So like for me, I shared a post on social media about like a turning point for me. Well, it was a turning point, but it still took, you know, a little bit of time after that is I had an experience where I took a certain drug, GHB. Have you heard of GHB? Well, I was partying at the time in my early 20s, out drinking, taking GHB. And obviously, you're not. I didn't know at the time. You're not supposed to take that stuff with alcohol, right? It can literally kill you, yeah? It's like uh, they call it the date rape drug, um, you know, and or liquid XC, whatever you want to call it. Anyway, long story short, um, I ended up in hospital. And luckily, because I've always been lifting weights and fit, luckily. So my heart was really strong and I survived. My heart rate went down to like 25 beats per minute. Um, but I woke up and like, you know, that was a wake up call for sure. Literally. Right. Cause I literally come out of my slumber in hospital mates came to visit me. I was like, okay, so we might need to reassess things here. And then I, I it slowly kind of, that was something that I realized how fickle life can be basically. You know what I mean? So for you, was there like a, was there like a turning point for you at all? Cause I know you said you stepped away from the nightclub scene. Was there a turning point for you? Or was it just one of those things where it's like, uh, like a gradual thing? Um, you know, I'll, I'll be, Completely honest here. I was um, I was in a couple of relationships, uh, personal relationship with the mother of two children that we had together, and I was in a business relationship that I'd been in for nineteen years with my family, and both of those relationships for me, uh, I was at the point where 
I wasn't happy in them, which led me into drinking and doing the drugs and living that lifestyle. I was suppressing my pain and my discomfort and suffering. Um, and it was no fault of the mother of our children. It wasn't her fault. It wasn't my family, family that was involved in the business's fault. Nothing to do with them. But I needed to make a change. And I couldn't change those scenarios, those relationships. I just couldn't change it. I tried for years, you know. Um, and I got to the point where I was like, okay, if I need to change, if, if, I need, if this is no longer serving me, and I'm heading down this path, what do I need to do? And you know, two of the biggest decisions I've ever made in my life was um, separating from the uh, mother of our children and walking away from the family home, you know, and any parent that has uh, gone through that. I mean, any breakup is difficult in any situation, romantic um, relationship. Separation is difficult, but throw some children into the mix, young children into the mix. And, um, you know, it, you don't make those decisions lightly. Uh, well, I didn't anyway. And, and same with my family business, 19 years. And I was like, you know, I don't think this is sustainable for, for me for too much longer. I'm not enjoying this, 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 this um, relationship that I'm, that I'm in. So, um, Within the space of three months, I decided to end both of those relationships. And um, lo and behold, after that, um, and I did it in the, in the friendliest, most amicable way I could with love and open-heartedness to both uh, parties. Um, yeah, that's when I didn't feel the need to drink anymore. Drugs were no longer a part of my life. I, I didn't need them. I didn't revert to them. It was just like, okay, I don't need this anymore. I was using that as a coping mechanism. So, um, and just so everybody's um, 11 years later, 12 years later, great relationship with the mother of our children and great relationship with my family that's, that I was in business with too. You know, it got rocky there for a, for a moment or two, as, as can be expected. But um, for me, it was the right choice at the right time. And to go through that is, um, you know, I, it's not easy for anybody to, to break away from certain relationships, whether it be business or family or, or um, partners, you know, romantic relationship, especially if you've got children. But you're asking me how, how the turning point was. So that was one of the turning points is I couldn't continue living that life made the decision to change, changes, uh, big changes. And then from that and from that place of well, what do I do now, you know, uh, the journey continued in ways in which makes a lot of sense for me now looking back at it. It's like, okay, yeah, now I see. Because from making the, those choices led me to being with my current wife, Nick, led her to introducing me to this book called Primal Body, Primal Mind, which then took me on this discovery of health and, and which emboldened me to reinvest so much time into cooking and understanding nutrition, which then led me into cannabis. You know, um, marijuana, as it's known, led me into learning more about psychedelics, learning, understanding how our brains work learning how our hearts work, learning how love is so such a powerful force for us and so on and so on and so on and connecting with nature and all of these things that without some of those painful experiences and making some very big choices, perhaps I wouldn't have discovered which has led me to having a chat with you today. I know, it's so interesting. Because <laughs> I was just thinking then as well, you know, like obviously I've been here for five years and now in Australia, came over here when I was 29. And within that five years, like the amount of growth I've had as a person, you know, and obviously the behaviors and habits that I've changed within that time, it's been incredible. I truly do believe like everything happened for a reason. And in my 20s, I was kind of finding myself. And I do believe like it was my calling just to come out here and obviously do what I've got to do. Um, level up in many different ways, obviously meeting people like you, different networks and connections. Obviously now I'm a permanent resident as well, but that transformational journey of 
each person is is so fascinating. And with you, you said obviously meeting Nikki, then obviously her introducing you to that book, which was an absolute game changer for you, right? Um, Complete game changer. It's an absolute game changer. But where you're at now then, right? Because obviously now it's put me in a position, and I don't want to talk too much about me, but obviously my journey is now, it's put me in the mistakes I made in my 20s, the party and all the rest of it, a lot of the stuff I'm not proud of. But I'm so thankful for that because now I've learned from it. You know, I now, like yourself, we get our hits, our dopamine hits, our highs, our natural highs from just natural life, right? Um, and just actually just better habits, right? Just healthy lifestyle habits, which give us, give us a kick and hobbies or, you know, lifting weights is my thing, right? I've started Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Pete does his surfing, you know, he's got his yoga retreats. So I think that transformational journey literally leads you on a path where it's, it's just kind of like meant to be, you know? So for you, mate, I'm just going to say as well, where are you at now? Because obviously now I'm able to help other people. I was just going to say on my clients and my experience, especially with my relationship with food at one point, bodybuilding, you know, binge eating and struggling with that. It now helps me have more compassion for my clients and help people on a deeper level and have a bigger impact. So with you now, with Evolve Network, for example, Pete, right, and your yoga retreats, do you feel like what you've been through, all the stuff you just talked about, do you feel like that has been really beneficial to you in terms of how you can help and communicate and interact with other people and, and just educate people as well? Yeah, for sure. I, I played that role for the last 10 or so years as being an educator in, 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 in respects to food and as also other aspects such as, you know, careful of the, what you put onto your body, you know, such as sunscreen, you know, read the label, do your research, make sure, just don't believe because the product's out there that it's going to be safe for you. Uh, same thing with uh, fluoride, for instance. Do your research, understand, you know, just because it's been promoted through a certain avenue doesn't mean that their science is correct. Um, psychedelics, the use of entheogenic medicines, plant medicines, toad medicines, just because something is illegal and demonized in certain parts of the world, in other parts of the world, it's actually celebrated as part of their culture and very, very sacred to them. Why is that? Why can one plant in one part of the world be used as a medicine, yet the same plant in a different part of the world be seen as illegal and dangerous? You know, how, how does this work? You know, and that's been sort of my journey for the last 10 years is just big questions, big mm -hmm. questions, big questions on fluoride, big questions about water supply, big questions about the sun, big questions about uh, what we put onto our bodies big questions about pharmaceutical industry, the medical industry, big questions about the food industry, agricultural industry, big questions about our media, big questions about politics over the last couple of years, especially since Donald Trump was uh, in, our, in our orbit, so to speak, because he was a polarizing figure that sort of pulled a lot of people to become aware of what politics is and still does, you know? And, questioning mainstream media, you know, something that our parents, our grandparents trusted wholeheartedly, the news, you know. Now I think in America, I think some of the news networks, they've got 30% believability, if that's the right word, or trust. Could you imagine that? Like in such a short period of time, one generation from full trusting the media to now like, you guys are telling lies. <laughs> like, and if you've been telling lies, if you're telling lies now, how long have you actually been telling lies for? You know, and then we can go into the, 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 the big questions of our history, mm. the history of Australia. I met a guy yesterday who was doing road work, so I had to stop at the, the stop and go sign. A beautiful man from Vanuatu, and even then, we had 15 minutes next to him, and he told us the story of how... Back in the, I think it was the early 1900s or late 1800s, they would bring people from Vanuatu to Australia to work on the cane fields. And then the English massacred them. The government, the Crown, killed them, raped the kids, tortured them, de decimated them. And let's not even go into Australia Day then, the celebrations of that. You know, and, and I'm like, I hadn't heard of this. You know, that was yesterday. A fucking rural uh, country, countryside town. I'm like, fuck, you know, like our history. Is there a big question mark over that? Mm. You know, what other things can we look into to give us a greater understanding of where we are now in 
the history of humanity. You know, and if anybody isn't questioning what's going on now around the world, especially the last two years, if there are no big fucking question marks over what has transpired and what continues to transpire. I mean, I just read today that, um, and not to go into the COVID no, no, vaccine thing, but, you know, I just read today the US has just ordered another 150 million shots with another 100 and nearly 200 million shots after that for booster shots for this thing. It's like, where's the, where's the common sense or where's the, where's the just doesn't make sense anymore. Mm. It never did, but you know, starting to sort of like, if people are questioning what this has been about and potentially where humanity's going, you know, if we, if we don't ask the questions, if we're not brave enough or comfortable enough to explore this, then, um, you know, I, I have a feeling where majority of people are going to be headed is, is not to a, a long-term sustainable outcome for themselves. Mm. And just for some context yeah. for the audience as well, without going too deep into that, I just wanted to ask you one or two more things before we kind of wrap things up. But no, I, I could, we could do like an eight, you know, with Pete Evans, you could do like an eight-part <laughs> and you could break it down into one-hour blocks because you've got so much to talk about. There's so much, you know, you've lived uh, an action-packed life, you know what I mean? So there's lots to talk about. I want, there's a million different questions I had for you. But obviously, just for some context, obviously, Pete has pretty much got cancelled and everything, but questioning the narrative and stuff like that with everything that's happened over the last two years. Um, and you know, obviously you've had to shift gears again and, you know, but you still stood your ground, said what you had to say. And I was just going to say as well on that note as well, can you still get like Ma Magic Pill, by the way? Because I know you, we touched on that earlier. Great documentary. Is that still on Netflix or have they taken that off as well? <laughs> no, well, it wasn't so much it got taken off. It had a two-year uh, contract. Oh, okay. Like it. But the Magic Pill is a documentary we created to, to show the power of food either as a, a, a form of... Um, as a tool for long-term sustainable health or um, as a way to shorten your life, you know, depending on the choices you make. Uh, subsequently after that, we created a documentary called The Magic Plant, which again showed uh, cannabis. You know, it was, a, it was a journey for me to discover what cannabis meant as well, because you hear all of these stories. Uh, so I wanted to take a deep dive because many of the people I respected in the health space were talking about cannabis as being this, this wonder plant, this magic plant, so to speak. So I wanted to explore it for myself. So I had two documentaries, The Magic Pill and Magic Plant. Magic Pill was on Netflix, seen, it was put all over the globe, uh, which was great for two years. So. Awesome documentary. Really, really good. I yeah, like the way that, you. you know, like you say, different cultures, like Aborigines, seeing how they live in certain areas and stuff like that. It was very fascinating. I think anyone should go in. You can still catch those. Can you get those to on YouTube at all? Or uh, you, you can get them on Amazon. You can get them on most streaming services like right. iTunes. We have them on the Evolve Network, which is evolvenetwork.tv. It's an app and a website. So you can watch them on your phone or, or your laptop. Uh, we have a, you know, sorry to plug it, but I will because oh, we're go talking ahead. about Go ahead, man. We've got a subscription-based service. It's 100 Aussie per year, and it's got a 1,000 recipes. It's got meal plans, and it's got nearly 500 podcasts and interviews, and I think we've got 20 documentaries on there. We launched a new one last night. Not one of ours, but we purchased one to put on there. And heaps of TV series. And, yeah, we, we cover a, a broad spectrum from cryptocurrency or especially Bitcoin to psychedelics um shamanism spirituality uh, health and nutrition and yeah sort of anything any of the pillars for long-term sustainable health is covered in the evolve network which is again the beauty of what being cancelled has allowed us to do is create a platform you know you can't we were permanently deleted off facebook and instagram and spotify and I wasn't on Twitter, thankfully. But, um, wow, that's uh, interesting. I didn't even know. I, I didn't know anyone that's been cancelled on Spotify. That's news to me. Yeah, permanently, permanently deleted off all of those platforms. Yeah, and um, yeah, just for sharing basic information. Mm -hmm. But um, but what that allowed us to do, you know, you can play the victim and yeah. and blame, or you can go, what a great opportunity! We'll create an uncensored platform that, you know. People that want to hear this will find it if they choose to. Uh, and if they don't, it's still my way of expressing myself. You know, what we talked about earlier, hmm. human being, you know, one of our, our, our gifts is to express ourselves creatively. 
Some people do it through art, some people do it through uh, building something that wasn't there previously. Some people spend time in the garden, some people raise children, some people teach, some people sing, some people dance, some people do it all, you know, we're capable of it all, you know, and our, our expression is our gift to the world. It's our gift to ourselves. And, you know, that's what gives us, that's what keeps our life force just bubbling away. And, and when we feel suppressed, where we can't express ourselves, or we're too fearful of expressing ourselves, you know, for fear of what other people say, that's when I believe disease sets in, whether it be mental or physical. Disease generally comes about because we're not willing to express who we are to the world. You know, when we suppress our desires, when we suppress our dreams or our intentions, our concepts, our ideas, you know, and I meet so, so I meet so many people, friend, friends, family. You know, I'm scared to do that. I'm scared. I'm scared of what other people will think of me if I if I share that, if I share myself. It's not sharing a fucking post about the, the circus, you know. <laughs> That's not what I'm talking about. It's not being outspoken in that way. It's really about expressing who we are as, as a unique human being. Mm. When we stifle that expression, that is when disease sets in, in my opinion. 100%. And when people, I I mean, this is the common thread that I get from people is, I had it today. My mother's got breast cancer. What do you advise? Monday, I had another email from somebody. My friend's got cancer, stage four cancer. What can you advise? I'm like, you know, well, obviously there's good diet to move your body in certain ways and breathing and good night's sleep and, you know, taking any inflammatory products out of your environment, whether it be sleeping next to a Wi-Fi router or whatever it may be, you know, they're, they're, they're practical things we can do and choose. But I always go back to, is your friend or mother suppressing anything? Do they have any trauma in which, which they're, they're not living their fullest version of themselves? You know, keep, is there a way to have that conversation with that person? What are their dreams? Have they, have they put their dreams away? Have they buried them? Because you know, I'm sure if they open that box of the things that they love to do, the things that they love to, to, to express, you know, there's great healing in that. There's, there's great energy in that. There's great joy. There's great love. That's, that's you know, that's, that's, that's the medicine there, mm. you know, all the rest is fucking easy. You know, we know what to eat. We know to go to bed early. We know to turn the Wi-Fi router off. We know get the fluoride out of our water and get a good filter system. We know to connect with nature and get some sun on our bodies to move mm. our bodies in different ways. Yeah. I mean, it's fucking, it's common sense. Well, well this is what I was going to ask you, but a lot of people don't know, right? So that's why I was going to wrap it up with uh, Pete. If you could just give us some, you know, knowledge bombs, if you like, in terms of what you really tell people to kind of look out for that lot, like even stuff like a nonstick pan, right? People buy a nonstick pan, you know, obviously I've got an iron skillet, you know, you consume in the plastics from that, you know, the layer of whatever plastic that they've got on the nonstick pan and stuff like that, which people aren't aware of. Um, and you mentioned about like even the Wi-Fi thing, right? I know, I know a lot of my audience, like, or some of them won't be aware of that. You know what I mean? Like sleeping next to a Wi-Fi with the radiation. So what are the things that come to mind for you? Obviously having a clean water supply, right? You mentioned fluoride. A lot of people, they get, you know, like the cheap kind of $20 filter doesn't do anything. Um, obviously, I've got, you know, you can get a proper filter. Which attack. So what is it that comes to mind for you, mate, that you promote to your network and stuff just to, just to be aware of that a lot of people might not be aware of? Yeah, I, I wrote a book and pretty much what I mentioned before, the Evolve Network has all of that covered. But really, the, the, the advice, and I don't like giving advice, but you asked for advice is, you know, what do you yearn to do in this life? What are your dreams? You know, my dream was to open a health retreat, a wellness retreat. You know, and I went shopping today to get some ingredients for what I'm going to cook tomorrow for the seven guests that arrive. When I'm going shopping and I know, like going back to the start of the story, talking about working in a commercial kitchen, how tough it is. You know, I'm going to work tomorrow for, well, probably start at, uh, over the weekend, start at 6.30 in the morning and work till six at night with the guests. Uh, good 11-hour day, give or take. It doesn't feel like work for me. 
because I've chosen to turn a dream into reality. And I look forward to meeting seven new people tomorrow and nourishing them with, with my life experience, you know, and, and I generally don't give my guests or our guests too much verbal knowledge. I and my wife, we hold space for them to let go. You know, sometimes less said the better. Mm, <laughs> Especially at a, at a at a retreat. Do we really want to be talking about COVID? Do we really want to be talking about vaccines? Do we really want to be talking about climate change? Do we really want to be talking about all this fucking nonsense? Yeah, exactly. That perpetuates. Well, how about we practice and and classic example of how powerful silence can be. My wife, and you've, you've witnessed me drinking tea throughout this whole chat, and I've had a Earl Grey tea, organic, and I'm just now onto my uh, little lemon and orange mixture here. Lovely. My wife lo lovingly made for me. But my wife, Nick, serves a very beautiful tea ceremony for our guests on a Sunday morning, whether they're at the cooking retreat, the yoga retreat, the wellness retreat, the fasting retreat, uh, any of the retreats she serves, a tea ceremony and it's an hour tea ceremony with beautiful pua tea which comes from either taiwan or china very ancient sacred practice of silent meditation and, and serving tea and that one hour for our guests and even myself it's my favorite part whenever i can sit down with my wife and, and receive and she serves probably four or five bowls like this of just beautiful beautiful ancient tea nearly all of the guests cry in that experience of silence for an hour because they're receiving something so simple water and tea leaves basically you know, lovingly prepared and my wife will say she actually gets out of the way herself so it's not about her it's about she's just the vessel to serve the best possible quality uh tea with integrity and love and presence same thing we do in the kitchen when we're serving our guests as well how can i make the most delicious love-filled dish for my guests that i would love to receive as well and something as profound as that is sitting down in silence and receiving even if you served yourself a beautiful cup of tea or you cooked yourself and your loved ones a beautiful meal you know that reverence that 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 presence of total gratitude for what we're sharing right now. I mean, I've got gratitude and presence for, for this conversation, you know, and it fills my heart that, uh, you know, I'm usually in your spot interviewing people, which I love, you know, I, I much prefer being in the, 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 in your position, interviewing people. Um, but I know that for me, it's still growth for me to be able to have these conversations. You know, I, I, I might do one a, one a month these days, you know, whereas I'll interview 10 people a month. Mm. Um, but I know it's, it's, it's important for me to still be in this position to be able to share uh, with people like yourself. So I know that's a long-winded thing. So my advice to people, you know, the toolkit is easy. Yeah, yeah, people... Toolkit is easy. The information, we live in the information era, right, Pete? That's not the issue. The, 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 the real trick, I believe, is finding that that space for yourself to just be, whether it's for half an hour, whether you do a meditation or whether it's a walk through the park or sitting in the backyard and making yourself a, a fire in a fire pit, you know, and staring at the fire and just being by yourself or with others, but just being totally present and seeing what comes up. Because no doubt some of our dreams or our, our suppressed emotions or suppressed ideas may filter up in those moments. Mm. You just remind me. Yeah. We've got the opportunity then to go, okay, well, what do I want to do with this? Is mm. it time to let that go? Is it time to create an act and, and turn something into reality? Or is it just time to shed that fucking bullshit that I've been thinking about for 30, 40, 50 years? You know, uh, I'll finish with this, you know, and I've got a mate that's just, you know, he's, he's, he's an alcoholic, you know, and he's, 
been in and have out of rehab three times recently and just had another episode this week and um you know and i and one of the things that he hasn't come to shift yet is he still wants um his parents to be proud of him and i've said to him many times i said let that go brother what anybody else thinks of you is irrelevant. You know, it's just your belief that they're not proud of you. I said, fucking, they're your parents. They'll be proud of you. They love you. They might not show it in the way that you expect it or want it. I said, but that's on you. Yeah. They, they've done the best with the tools that they have. It's up to you now to, to show up in the way that you wish they had shown up for you in your your mind you know and you know it's 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 such a um individual journey that we go on in this life and you know the way i live my life many others might may think it's crazy or not suited to them and that's that's exactly right we're all so unique and you must get and the people that you train. Mm. You know, one thing that works for somebody doesn't work for the other person. Vice versa, because we're all unique. And, and that's, the, that's the beauty of this. Where I'm seeing in the world is that nearly trying to make everyone think the same, behave the same, and, and more uniformity. Now, that doesn't work in nature. Nature is full of biodiversity. It is full of uniqueness. We want to celebrate our uniqueness. We want to celebrate the Martin Sorva, that he is Martin Sorva. That's him. Don't try to create another, turn one of your clients into Martin Sorva. I won't try to turn anybody that asks me into another Pete Evans because there's one of me. You just become the, your authentic self. You know, there's so much fucking wanting to compare and be like other people. Fuck that. Just be yourself unapologetically, you know? So that would be my advice to anyone. I love that. No, I love that. Be yourself. Yeah, just be yourself. That is a great way to kind of wrap this up, my man. Be yourself. And I'm just reading, just to finish off as well, reading a great book called Strength to Strength by Arthur C. Brooks. And it's about basically finding you know, fulfillment and purpose in the second half of life, right? Because I'm 35 next month, right? So it's like, and you now have just kind of reinforced the fact, like how touch you, how in touch you are with your spiritual being and, you know, how spiritual you are and kind of like you've got to that point in your life now where just the stuff you were talking about then, you know, just the presence, um, which is the key thing, right? Being yourself and being present is, is an art, especially in this day. We've got all those working forces against us, right? People, when it comes to being present and not being distracted. But no, it, was, it just talks about how, you know, you do get a decline. The second half of life, especially people who are strivers, like, you know, me and you and a lot of people that are listening to this podcast and my clients are high achievers. You know, you get to a point where a lot of the things you had when you were younger kind of go downhill a bit. Some of your skills, some of the stuff that you've has built you kind of, tend to decline a bit so that's why it's even more important to kind of um find spirituality in the second half of life he talks about and it's something that i know i'll have to address i mean i do a little bit of meditation before bed and stuff but it's something i definitely need to work on pete and you've just kind of reinforced that for me my man (laughs) well the secret to spirituality is just being yourself brother yeah that's all it is in my opinion and you can take that Take that for what you like, but um, and, and I will I will disagree that there's a decline in the second half of life. You know, my belief is actually we we get stronger, we get wiser, we get fucking everything improves in the in the you know I'm I'm about to turn forty nine. I think I mentioned in a month's time, and I had a surf this morning, and I'm surfing better than I did as a teenager, as a twenty year old, as a thirty year old, as a forty year old, or early forties. You know, and I'm out there just going fuck. I'm loving this because I keep improving mm. at this age. And then I get the thought of, can I keep improving this for the rest of my life? You know, if I look after myself, mm. I, I, I surf with guys in their seventies and eighties and women in their seventies sitting out there, mm. you know, their body's a little bit rickety, but you can tell that they're, they're still drinking the beers and eating some shit food. It's like, what would be a great example of a fit, healthy body and and there are wonderful examples kelly slater for instance the world champion surfer who i've interviewed was a mm-hmm. mate of ours 
you know, he's turned 50. He's still competing against the fucking teenagers and mm. winning, mm. you know, where his peers, you know, prior to Kelly, they would say at the age of 30, mid thirties, you're sort of done in that sport competitively. And he's showing a new philosophy by being 50 and competing. And there's great examples of that through all, all achievements in life. So um, whether it be relationships with your partner, lovemaking, learning tantra, or, or starting a new business in your 60s, 70s, or 80s, you know, there's great examples of this. So, so we've got to be very, uh, I'll just finish by this, careful with our words because our words are spells which then become, can become our belief. So instead of declining in our second half of our, our life, and I, I don't even think I'm even. Yeah, the way I describe it, I want to hold my hands up. I think the way I described that, I kind of butchered that a bit. The way you just explained it in the book is better than that. So <laughs> actually finish reading the book and then I'll get back to you on that, buddy. And how long can we live for? Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's, that's the thing that I'll finish by saying that. That's... I want to be on this planet for as long as possible. That's my intention. It's a simple intention. And I've bet my children $5 each when they were, when they were about five or six years of age. I said, I'm going to be surfing when I'm 100 years of age. And we bet on it. And I'll never forget it. And I'll finish by saying this, that uh, when I took my youngest one to bed that night, I was carrying her up the stairs. And, and she said to me, she goes, I bet, you, I bet you will be too, Dad, surfing when you're 100. So she, she got that sort of belief system when she was five years old that her old man could do, old man, so even that's a shit word to call myself. The young man, her father, would be doing that. You know, She's going to have to be 80 years of age or 70 years of age to see whether it comes true, but uh, we'll incredible. see what happens. That's incredible. Love that, mate. And um, where, can, where can the audience find you, man? I appreciate your time. There was so much gold in that episode. As I say, man, I could talk to you for hours. Where can they find you? You mentioned Evolve Network. Where's the best place? And, and Telegram. I'm on Telegram under Chef Pete Evans. And uh, yeah, it's awesome. been a pleasure speaking with you, Marty. And yeah, uh, love you, brother. Pleasure. I think I might call this podcast. I'm just going to finish with dot, dot, dot. We both said that about 50 times. <laughs> it was a great conversation, my man. I really enjoyed that. Thanks again, Pete. And thanks to all the listeners and viewers for spending an hour with us today. Really appreciate it. Love you too. Awesome. Yeah, go check Pete out anyway. I mean, some of your content is, is incredible. And obviously, I just want to say one more time as well, Magic Pill, great documentary. And I need to watch Magic Plant myself because I haven't watched that yet. So uh, I'm going to get on that. Cheers, my man. Cheers, brother. Bye.